Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. For a chance to celebrate your love, for a chance to share with brothers and sisters in Christ, for a chance to hear your word and be challenged by it, we pray, Father, that your spirit would fall upon us, that we would be open to your leading this morning. We ask that you would speak to us, that you would move us, that you would make us more like you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16. An interesting passage of how God, in His power, is greater than all the powers of this world. And I hope and pray that your spirit would be open to this powerful God, who this morning is greater than your need, greater than your fear, greater than all the struggles in your life. And He wants to come and overcome for you, and work in and through you to overcome the strongest uh, powers in our world. And in chapter 13, uh, Jesus is coming to Caesarea Philippi with his disciples. And as they're on the way, we read, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'd like to uh, welcome this morning our Gideon for this morning. Um, and if you don't know who, what a Gideon is, you will discover quickly. And I'm excited. Dave, Dave Hillman is with us this morning, and he is just open to the Spirit of God. And he has uh, shared with me some things that the Gideons are doing that is just so powerful. And I just want you to know that what God is doing through the Gideons, he can do and will do through you. As a matter of fact, you might even want to become a Gideon um, and serve the Lord in this way. So Dave, won't you come share with us Great. the Word of God? Thank Give you, him a round of Dave. applause as we worship Thank together. you. Brethren, good morning. I greet you in our Savior's name, and I'm delighted to be with you this morning. The gates of hell. Has anyone here seen the gates of hell? I doubt it. Can you imagine what the gates of hell look like? Well, I picture them about 20 feet tall, cast iron or maybe tempered steel, impervious to anyone getting in or getting out. Now, that's what I want to talk about this morning. Those gates of hell are not an offensive weapon. The devil doesn't take his gates and go to battle against the Christian church. They're a defensive mechanism, or they are designed to keep his people in. Who are his people? Well, they're the people without Christ. They're not our enemies, but they're in the devil's camp. And he has done a good job of keeping them in. He thinks that he has kept them in forever and ever. And no one, the Christian church, can ever break down 
those gates. I want to give you some examples. To me, just amazing examples. At the International Convention a couple of years ago, I sat and had dinner with a Gideon from Kyrgyzstan. Now, I'm not going to ask you to spell Kyrgyzstan or find it on a map, but it's the former Soviet uh, republic just north of Afghanistan. It's almost as big. About 28 million people. Rocky, dusty, mountainous, very few roads. It's a place you and I would not want to go and try to find our way around. 50% atheists, because you know communism has preached there is no God. So it's only natural if you've been a communist state since 1930 or 28, you're, you've grown up thinking there is no God. Now another 40% are non-practicing Muslims. So you talk about an area that is ripe to bring the gospel to, but how are you going to get it there? Those roads, there aren't any. And we don't have very many Christians. One half of 1% of 28 million people are evangelical Christians. But you know, God has raised up 29 local Gideon camps. A camp's what we call a team of men and women designed to cover a geographical area. 29, I think that's a miracle. But let me tell you what those 29 camps have done. They've gone to each of the 14, now stay with me now, I'm not chasing rabbits, 14 federal prisons in Afghanistan, in uh, Kyrgyzstan. They don't have any reading rooms, they don't have any uh, internet, laptop and all that, they don't have any workout. This is really a sad place to be incarcerated, there's nothing to do. So the Gideons went to the warden of each of those 14 camps and said, we would like to distribute Bibles in Kyrg or Russian, but mostly Kyrg, they asked for. We wanted to come in and distribute Bibles. Well, the warden in each case said, well, yeah, sure, my goodness. <laughs> Our poor prisoners have nothing to do. They're bored out of their minds. Come ahead. So they had a mass distribution in each prison, and they had a chance to explain what the Bible's all about, the message of Jesus Christ, God's Son who came into the world to save sinners. Then the Gideons came back on Monday night. Every Monday night they had a Bible study. Well, a lot of the men came because there was nothing else to do. But God was calling many of these men to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In each of the 14 prisons, there was a cadre of 8, 10, 12, 15 guys that really caught, filled with the Spirit, caught the Spirit of Christ, and they have formed a Christian counseling center for all the other prisoners to come when they get a Dear John letter or when they are suicidal or really discouraged. Now, I find that amazing. And you say, well, Dave, that's only Kyrgyzstan. That's only 14 federal prisons. But it shows you what God can do, that he is on the throne and that he's able to to make something happen where we in Pennsylvania say, when we looked at that, we'd say, "Uh uh-uh, no way, come on, can't speak the language, don't know the territory, Uh uh-uh can't do it. God is doing it. Now, this Christian counseling center is counseling with these prisoners and they are going to get out. My prayer is that as they get out and go back to their hometowns, they are going to want to form a church in each town. That's the way it happened in Paul's day when he went to what we call Turkey and that. So I'm wanting to believe it's going to happen in a place like Kyrgyzstan. Vietnam, 1975, the last Marines left Vietnam. The communists took over. Immediately began preaching there is no God. Atheism was this church, or the, the country's religion. So now you've got 41 years where kids have grown up, a whole generation having been taught there is no God. 
So would you say that the Christian church can move forward in Vietnam? I don't know about that. That, That's going to be a hard sell. But it's happening, and I'm amazed at that. One of our local Gideons is Quan Tran and his wife Mai. They're Vietnamese. They came over here about 1979. They were one of the boat people that escaped. They finally got to Erie in 79. They went back to their town of Nha Trang. Nha Trang, just like everything else, preaching there is no God. She went back to her home church. It's a church now that's running about 1,500 on Sunday morning. This church has planted five daughter churches in the suburbs of Natrang, and each of the daughter churches is running anywhere from 100 to 200, and the church is really growing. How is that happening? Let me tell you. God raised up first Gideons in Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City, and then in Hanoi. So we sit in Pennsylvania and we say, Vietnam, no, I'm sorry, it, nothing's going to happen. They don't allow missionaries to come there. So we can't go there as a missionary. So how in the world is the church going to grow and how is the gospel going to be preached in Vietnam? We now have four, 38, yes, 38 local camps, even in Hanoi. Hanoi, the old North Vietnam capital, got a camp there. They had, on Christmas Eve, the Gideons invited everybody in Hanoi to come to a Christmas Eve celebration. Now, the people didn't know what Christmas was all about, but they came anyway out of curiosity, handed out a lot of testaments because they had a big crowd there. Again, people, nothing to do. But the Gideons have been going into the schools. Again, why would a communist government preaching there is no God allow some Christian men to come and distribute Bibles? The kids have no Bibles at home. We have to remember that around the world, in Africa, in Central America, in many parts of of South America, the kids go to school, they have books there, but they never take any books home. I went on a, a, one of my, one of my things that I do is to put on seminars for the paper industry. Got invited to Durban, South Africa. Gene went with me, finished the the two-day seminar, and I called the local Gideons. And he said, well, Brother Hillman, by coincidence, we, are, we have found some schools in KwaZulu. That means in the place of the Zulu, seven and a half million people. He said, we're going to be going there tomorrow. Would you like to come? Well, that's like a fire bell to a Dalmatian. Yeah, I'm ready to jump on the fire truck. Yes, yes. He, I'll pick you up at 6.30. 6.30. Yes, we're going to have to drive quite a ways, and then we're going to have a prayer meeting. In the middle of the interstate, there were about eight or ten cars all the Gideons, because we were going to a bunch of schools. We had a prayer meeting in the middle of the interstate, holding hands and praying. We went, Gene and I went with two other Gideons to five schools. In every one of those five schools, every child came up and held out both hands. In Africa, that's a sign that something is considered to be of great value. If I took my watch off and gave it to them, they would receive it with two hands. Every one of those kids got a Bible with two hands. Now, it was in KwaZulu. That's the language where the Q's and the X's are clicks in the back of the throat. I don't want to have to learn that language. But the kids took a Bible. In every case, the headmaster principal, we would say, walked us to the car and he said, folks, I don't know if you realize what you've done. He said, you've given these kids a copy of God's Word. They're all Christians. All five headmasters were Christians. You've given them a copy of God's Word. They're going to take it home. And he said, I mean no disrespect, but it's going to become the entertainment center. Because the people, they have no electricity, no magazines, no books, no TV, no radios. 
when it gets dark, everybody goes to bed. So he said, after dinner, they usually sit around the table and just talk about the day's affairs. He said, what's going to happen in every case is that boy or girl is going to get that Bible out and begin reading to the parents. So you want get to the, get the gospel into the hands of people who've never met a missionary, don't know an evangelist, haven't been to a Christian church. The, the, the Zulus are nomadic people. They make up their own house and after two, three years, they get tired, they move to another area. So that's why there are no brick-and-mortar churches in, in Zululand. <clears throat> so he said, these kids are going to read to the parents. Now, I got excited about that, thinking of a, a boy or girl, 13, 14 years old, saying, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. On and on and on. How many of those families, since we gave out those testaments, how many have come to Christ? I want to believe that many. Because the Holy Spirit is at work. He, the Word is alive and powerful and sharpening a two-edged sword. And that's what I want to impress upon you this morning, that as around the world in 200 countries and a couple of territories... Around the world, we've got men and women, like myself, all members of an evangelical church. That's to be a Gideon, you've got to be a member of an evangelical church just like Greenfield. You have to be recommended by your pastor. If the pastors won't recommend you, well, they're the ones who determine the caliber of people in the Gideons. We say business and professional men, that's farmers, that's salaried people, that's college graduates, that's managers. It doesn't just mean doctors and lawyers and dentists. Just a whole range of people from the church. So the Gideons, if you want to think of it this way, the men and women of the Gideons are the church in action. So that was South Africa and Vietnam, 38 camps that are going into the schools. Again, why should a communist government allow a Christian book to be distributed when the government is preaching there is no God? Logically, it doesn't make a bit of sense. Then you have to remember, hmm, <laughs> there are no books to take home. There are probably no books in the family. The government says, we're not dummies. We're going to teach the kids to read, but they have nothing to read at home, nothing to practice with. So these guys, these well-meaning, we're not sure who they are, but they're, they're willing to give out books for free. Ha-ha, that's the secret. You go from school to school. So when I tell you that in Nha Trang, Mai's home church has 1,500 on Sunday morning, and that they've planted five daughter churches. To me, this is the Holy Spirit in action, working through his word. Do you remember what the Bible says, Jeremiah? Is not my word like a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces? I can tell you, Randy Pilato believes that verse. He grew up in Harbor Creek. He got in trouble with the law, was a convicted felon, was sentenced to Mercer State Pen. Before the paperwork was done, they sent him down to Clarion. Now, I don't understand how the government works, but they sent him to Clarion for a couple of months. When Randy heard those doors click behind him, those gates, those are the devil's gates. Okay, we got Randy locked up now. He can't go to church. He can't interact with anybody else. I got him, the devil says. So Randy sat down on his bunk, and there was a Bible, just like this one, exactly like this one. Prison Testament. He was so discouraged, and he thought his life was just done for. He opened it up and he started reading all the helps in the beginning. He read and read and read and read the rest of that evening. Then he heard that every Monday night the Gideons have a Bible study. So he started going to the Monday night Bible study. Randy signed his name in the back after a few Mondays. 
my decision to receive Christ as my Savior. Let me tell you what's happened. He did go to Mercer. He didn't stay nearly as long as the, his sentence was for. I'm not sure how he got out, but he got out early. Became an electrician. God gave him a lovely wife, a Christian wife. He's now active at Kingsley United Methodist Church, an evangelical Methodist church on the west side of town, and he is on fire for the Lord. Now you take Randy, a rock, and God says, my word is like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. And that's what's happened to Randy. He now, evangelical Christian, through the word of God, through the spirit of God, breaking him down at a time when he was really discouraged. I want to tell you an, another wonderful example, somebody I've met and talked to. You know his name, Ravi Zacharias. He's considered to be the world's leading apologist. I love that word. I have to think about it before I say it. Apologist for Christianity. He goes to universities all over the world, and he defends Christianity. Ravi Zacharias is a 17-year-old Hindu, grew up in a good family, and he got pretty sick. Actually, the sickness was partly due to his mental problem. He was very discouraged about life, the meaninglessness of life. He got sick enough to where he went to the hospital, and he became sicker. But there was on the bedside table, now the Indian Gideons, we've got almost 400 local camps in India, and they're distributing 8 or 9 million Bibles in 11 different languages every year. So it's not unusual for a Bible like this to be on the bedside table in India. Ravi picked it up and began reading. And the Holy Spirit got a hold of him. He read and read and read. He got out of the hospital as, and dedicated his life to Christ. He led his dad. He led several members of his family to, to a saving knowledge of Christ. Came to America, got his doctorate. He's very active in the Christian Missionary Alliance. That's how I know him so well. And I say so well. I met him. Big deal. I, I didn't mean to exaggerate. <laughs> If, if he walked in here, he wouldn't say, hi, Dave. And we're not, that, we're not that good, maybe to Pastor Dave, but not me. Well, Ravi Zacharias has gone on to, to preach the gospel as an, as an understanding the gospel way. And think about that one Bible. When that Gideon over there in India placed that Bible on that bedside table in that hospital so many years ago, did that Gideon have any idea what was going to happen? And the answer is no. He couldn't. But God took that kernel, remember that parable about a kernel, some will bear tenfold and some fifty and some hundredfold? In Ravi's case, that one Bible, having been read and believed upon, and he becomes not just a committed Christian, but a doctor and a preacher, and he's gone around the world. How many people have come to know Christ as a result of one Bible in the hands of one person. But I want to conclude with the thing that has me more excited now. I've been a Gideon a long time. I joined the Gideons in New Jersey as a wee broth of a lad, a young fella out of Georgia Tech, and I had just been a Christian a couple of years. So I was excited about being a Christian, and the Gideons gave me a vehicle. I said, gee, now I know I can't go to the reformatory and I can't go to the Catholic schools, but you know, if I join the Gideons, I can go to those places. Because this emblem is sort of like a, a pass to get onto college campuses, to get into the high schools. To... We go to cathedral prep every year at graduation time, have a chance to speak to the students. We give them the same testament that we give at Harbor Creek, orange. 
those kids are so glad for it. But Father Jabo stands up there and he tells the kids, now I want you to take it. I want you to read it and believe the message of the Bible. And I think to myself, how in the world could I get here except being a Gideon? I mean, they don't need any pulp and paper consultants, not in your life. But Gideon, yes, every year now for 20 years we've been invited. Going to the high schools like Harbor Creek and Seneca and Iroquois and Northeast, we're invited every year at graduation time and to give out testaments to the kids. I don't know of any other way I could go except as a Gideon. And that's why I want to encourage those of you who are spiritually and occupationally qualified that you would talk to me after the service about, hey, what, what, just what does it mean to be a Gideon? You know, give me some, what are the nuts and bolts? But let me get on with the thing that I'm most excited about, and that involves the Middle East and involves Muslim immigrants. Now, Satan took the Middle East and he built these gates around it. He surrounded it and he said, ain't nobody going to get in because I've prevailed upon the government to exclude missionaries, to say you can't proselytize on the street. You, if you have a home Bible study and you get reported, you can go to jail. It is tough to be a Christian in the Middle East. You've got to be a closet Christian. How in the world are we going to win a couple of, almost a billion Muslims to Christ? We sit here and we say, well, Lord, there's no way. I know you told us to go into all the world, but it can't be done. He has brought two and a half million immigrants to the United uh, to Europe, rather. Germany, Austria, Sweden, Denmark, the Netherlands, and fr- some to France. Every country has said, you must learn the local language or we're going to send you back. So that's what they told them. You must become a similar. We don't want you on welfare. You've got to get a job. You've got to go to school. But you must learn the local language. The Gideons, and we have a strong organization in each country, those Gideons have gone to headquarters and we have developed a dual language testament. That dual language has Arabic down one column, that's the language they can speak now, and then the local language, whether it's Dutch or German or Swedish, they can get these and they can learn the language. To me that's brilliant. The Gideons are going to these apartment buildings. Now, they're not housed in tents. In Europe, there are a lot of older apartment buildings, some of them built back in the Soviet era. And today's people, young couples, they don't want anything to do with them. They're so out of date. But the immigrants, hey, this is great when you think what they left behind in Syria and Afghanistan and Iraq, maybe even Iran, they've come to where they can be reached because before they were unreachable. The government said, no, you can't. Well, the devil said, no, you can't. I've made sure you can't. Now they're in Europe, and the Gideons are going. The first week, we gave out over 100,000. I say we, not Dave Hillman. But those Gideons over there, they've taken time off, and they go to these apartment buildings. Why would the people, you're going to get tired of me saying this, the third time I've said it, why would a non-Christian take a Bible? Because in this case, they want to learn the language, or they want to have something to read at home. They have nothing to read. So these immigrants are taking the Bible because they've been told you have to learn the language. That, to me, is God's miracle-working power at work, where we sit and say, it can't be done. No way. God says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll bring them, two and a half million people so far, and in Germany, 15,000 a week. My cousin lives in Leipzig. I talk to him twice a month. I know what's happening over there. 15,000 a week are still coming into Germany. They have to learn the language. God said, if you can't reach them where they are, I'll bring them here 
to a Christian country. That's the other thing. These immigrants are coming to Europe and they're told this is a Christian country. Now the fact is only 2% of the people go to church on Sunday, but they're told it's a Christian country, so you better learn what Christianity is all about if you expect to become assimilated. So they are gladly taking these Bibles, these dual language. And that's what there's a plate at the door this morning. Normally a retiring offering is for the Gideon ministry worldwide and going into high schools and college campuses and the Erie County Prison. This morning it's for dual language testaments. We are printing them separately so they're a little costly. They're two sixty dollars apiece. They probably ought to be about a dollar and a half if we could print $50 million, but we can't print $50 million. So they're two sixty. dollars So $26 would buy 10 of these. 10 Bibles are going to reach 10 families. Now you know that these immigrants have big families, five, six, seven children. Dad is going to sit and read it to the parents. That's what we're counting on. And that's what I want to leave with you this morning, is here is an opportunity to reach people who have been unreached because they were unreachable. It's not that we didn't want to go there, that it was inconvenient. It's that we couldn't go there. But God has seen fit to bring them to us, and now we have a chance to reach them. And I want to leave that challenge with you. I want to encourage you, too, to use the, continue to use the Memorial Bible Plan A wonderful way to remember loved ones who've gone home to be with the Lord. When my dad died, over a hundred Bibles were placed in his memory. And my mother, her heart was so blessed. But there's some of these on the table out there. And if anyone has lost a loved one maybe a year ago, five years ago, or recently, place Bibles in memory of that loved one. That's one way you can help. Number two, I told you that there's a plate at the door. And that's going to be for dual language to reach immigrants who have hitherto been unreached. And then if there are men in the congregation, the man joins first and then the wife, if she wants to, becomes a husband and wife ministry. But I'd like to speak to you afterward about what membership in the Gideons can do for you. Lastly and most important, I'm here for prayer. Not for myself, but for God's word. For these dual language testaments, think about the things to pray for. God, raise, keep raising up those Gideons. Keep getting them time off, leaving their office or their profession or wherever they work, but take the time for them to go to all these old tenements, these apartment buildings, number one. Number two, that the Bibles would be available. Now, the Bibles are going to be available as we, mostly in America, pony up the funds to buy the Bibles. Third, that the immigrants would take the Bible. Now, that's the thing that I believe is almost, I'm sure of. They're going to take a Bible because they need to learn the language. Then I want you to pray that God's Holy Spirit would work in their lives to introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's really what it's all about, is we want to introduce them to Jesus Christ and have them give their lives to Him. So would you pray for those things? Speaking of prayer, would you bow your head right now? I'd like to to have us pray together. Father God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the blessing it's been to us in our lifetime. And now we pray for these Bibles that are going to be bought this morning that are going to quickly go to Europe and be handed out to Muslim immigrants. Lord, we pray that you will bless your word and bless each giver and help us to be mindful to pray for these Bibles in the days and weeks and months to come. Keep us mindful of this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Oh, one last.